I Respectfully Disagree podcast, episode 85. Um, first episode of 2022. So uh, salute to everyone out there. Happy New Year. Uh, want to welcome Gabby back to the podcast. Gabby, of course, is a good friend of mine from uh, where I grew up at, and he's been on the podcast a few times now. Um, the one that sticks out the most is, you know, talking about the GOAT conversation, Jordan and LeBron and all that good jazz. And um, today's episode, I want to get back to, you know what I'm saying, sports talk. I know towards the end of the year, a lot of our uh, episodes was geared towards current events, uh, celebrity gossip, etc. But the main focus of the podcast when I originally started it was sports and I'm a big basketball guy, and unfortunately, <laughs> it's not a lot to talk about in the basketball world from my perspective, being a LeBron fan, and the Lakers are complete trash. So I want to get back to it and lay the groundwork for today's episode. Um, every day, my daily routine is to watch Undisputed while I'm working. When Undisputed goes off, it leads straight into the herd. Now, I'm not really a big fan of the herd, but from my work area, I'm listening to everything that they're talking about. And there's a few times where, you know, he makes me turn my wheels. So, of course, you know, I go to social media and make these different random posts just to create conversation. And he made a statement about why Jordan went, six and oh in the finals and he said that michael jordan never really faced a dynasty and he laid out the groundwork of the celtics and the lakers going back and forth in the 80s and once he started laying that out you know like i said i'm in the other room listening so i start painting this picture in my mind i'm like you know what he's he he has a point like i can see where he's going with that so, of course, I go to social media and they pretty much jump me for that, which is which is expected. And uh, Gabby, you, you jumped on the post and we kind of went back and forth, which led to this. So we're going to touch on that for a little bit. But then we already had a conversation in the making about the Scottie Pippen book, Unguarded. So I, I think it's, it's perfect timing, like everything just kind of it just, for whatever reason, it just worked out. So that, and then this Antonio Brown situation. So those are going to be the talking points today. But before we get started, what's going on, G? What's up, buddy? How's it going, man? Oh, uh, man, I, I can't call it, man. It's another day in paradise. That's it. Oh, any, any, any big goals for 2022, man? Happy New Year, man. Happy New Year to you too, dude. Uh, I got to get that golf score down. Look now, now we talking. Now we talking. <laughs> I think you dodged me last summer, so I'm coming for you. All right. I'm, I'm. I didn't get to get out there at all last year, man. You know, it was a lot going on. It's course. actually nice enough down here. We got to play on New Year's, New Year's Eve. Oh wow! Oh wow! Did you break in those new Jordans? Is the question. I did. I did. <laughs> How you like it? How you like it? I'm being honest. Like all jokes aside, like are they are they comfortable in terms of a of a golf shoe? 
Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, they're bigger than what you'd think a golf shoe would be because they're, they're basketball shoes. Right. It, I tell you what, it's been a while. I, I don't I don't get the Jordans like you do. Uh, it's been a while since I've had a pair. I'd be damned, them things are heavy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Definitely. That is – that's a – that's a definite, especially if you if you're not accustomed to wearing a basketball sneaker anyway. But um, the reason why I asked is because like when I first got my little golf equipment, I was like, I'll give me a little cheap set of clubs. I went into Dick's and I was like, here, I'm just going to grab me a cheap pair of shoes. And I'm like, you know, not going to go all out because, first of all, I'm not good at it. Good enough to where I'm going to be all decked out. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. uh, those shoes are uncomfortable. And I'm like, dude, I paid like 70 bucks and I am a firm believer in you get what you pay for. You know, a lot of people may look at the price tag and it's like, dude, how could you pay that much? But I'm like, at the end of the day, for somebody that's into sneakers, I get what I pay for because I can wear them for a long time and they're actually comfortable. And so that's why I was like this this spring, I'm. Looking to get me some new golf shoes, man. So you'll get some purple ones coming out this week. I already got it lined up, dude. You already know. <laughs> you already know, man. You already know. Um, like I said, I, that was one of my goals, and I, I'm. I, that's a perfect transition. Um, one of my big things for 2022 was I'm going to focus on my whole mental health in a sense of. I feel like last year I was just down. I was just down and out like mentally. And I kind of touched on that the last episode where I was like, you know, me working from home, I'm here by myself the majority of the day. So you kind of get lost in, in your thoughts and stuff like that. And I spent a lot of time in my opinion, of course, having depression, you know what I'm saying? Like stupid thoughts, of course, I never went to a doctor to get diagnosed with depression, which I feel like is a good thing. So if I'm aware of it myself, you know, does that make any kind of sense? Like, yeah, I'm, no, if you recognize that you can address it. Exactly. So I was like, that was one of my goals for 2022 is just like, you know, have have more positive thoughts. Don't let things eat at you. And, you know, my mother's favorite color was purple. So I was saying all that because right. I was like, as soon as I saw those, some months ago, I was like, I most definitely got to have those. So that's that's my way of remembering her and carrying her with me wherever I go because now I do wear a lot of purple. So definitely, definitely had to get those, man. So, like yeah, I said. Yeah, no, I get it. I thought of you when I saw them. I was looking at the golf shoes, and then I saw a few weeks later, oh, purple 13s. I know. Adrian's going to have him lined up. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> definitely, man. Had to jump through some hoops because – um. Like I said, you reached out to me about the whole process with all of the sneakers these days and everything now is on the apps and all of that. And you have to do these online raffles. And I Mm -hmm. struck out on every last one of them here in the city. But luckily for me, being a big shoe collector, I've networked with so many people, California, Baltimore, everywhere. So now people are like, hey, if you want a pair, reach out to me ahead of time. And it's nothing for us to get them in the mail and send them to you. So, I already got it lined up, man. Good deal. So, anyways, man. Speaking of mental health, I I think it's best we start with the with the Antonio Brown situation. 
Not sure mm-hmm. how familiar you are with all of the details, but but what's your take on that before I dive in? Well, I mean, my thing is it that surprising at this point? <laughs> you know, I mean, I just on my lunch break today, I was sitting here and I, I just wrote down April 2018 destroyed a Miami apartment rental threw furniture from the balcony on the 14th story, almost hit a two year old <laughs> in November of the same year, speeding over a hundred miles an hour, December, same year benched for, this is when he played for the Steelers benched for quote injury and lack of information straight out of Mike Tomlin's mouth. That same week, he didn't want to practice. He threw a football at Big Ben, which he probably deserved it. And then he was mad that Juju was the team MVP. Yeah. Then that following year, he got traded, went nuts on the Raiders over not being able to wear his old helmet. Then he got fined for not going to workouts. He posted the fine letter on Instagram and eventually got kicked off the Raiders. And they got the money back, yeah. and didn't have to pay him. Yeah, that was his then he got accused Go of sexual assault twice in September of 2019. Then he was he signed with the Bucks like a year later, and then right before all this happened, he got in trouble for the fake vaccination card. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's it's tough, man. And that that's why real quick, I don't mean to cut you off. I felt like I didn't see the game last week, but right when it happened, that's when people started blowing my phone up like, dude, are you looking at A B? So of course, you know what I'm saying? Everything now is at, at the touch of a button. So you can jump on the internet and see all that. So I'm looking at him and I immediately was like, Wait a minute, dog. Something had to have happened. Like for the most part, Minus the fake vaccine card, it's like he's been pretty chilled in Tampa. And I was like, with Tom Brady taking him under his wing, I was like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you really hadn't had any issues. Mm -hmm. So I was like, dude, something had to have happened. And then immediately after the game, the coach is like, he's no longer a buck. I'm not talking about it. Blah, blah, blah. And you never really heard anything. So, of course, Monday morning, when I watched Skip Bayless and all of them, at this point, all they can report is just the rumors. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no concrete what's going on. Right. So, you heard all the, oh, he was upset about targets and he wasn't getting the ball. Then you heard he was upset because of the incentives. You know, he was trying to reach all these incentives and contracts and stuff like that. But then that's when A.B. got out and was like, I told them I was hurt and they tried to make me play anyway. So that's when I started favoring A.B.'s side of it because I felt like at this juncture in the season, Tampa Bay couldn't afford to drop that game. Right. So they were losing the whole entire game and just from a competitive perspective, I could literally picture Bruce telling them, nah, man, we need your ass out there. Get out there. Excuse my language. No, go out there. And if he's like, look, man, I can't do it. I'm hurting. 
just out of anger, just a quick initial, like, you know what, man, screw you, get out of here, whatever took place. And that's what snowballed into this whole circus of him running off the field. So that's where I was at at first. But then it's like today, did you hear what he said today? About Brady? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sitting there like, so real quick for those that are not familiar, I'm going to play this clip real quick. AB, I wonder, uh, I seen on, on your Instagram that yeah. you don't follow Tom Brady. I like, I, I deep, yeah. deep dive into it. But uh, why don't you follow Tom Brady? Is there something? No, nah, it's not personal, man. Tom is actually my friend, one of my close friends. But, you know, like like Ball was saying, what are you saying? I work at McDonald's? You see what I'm saying? Some people have a different definition of friend. Because when I say you, I'm your friend, that means I got your back. That mean, to me, though, that's what a friend means. But a friend is not like that, in, you know, in this world and how we live in. And, you know, we play professional sports. Like, not everybody in sports going to be your friend. Tom Brady's my friend. Why? Because I'm a good football player. He need me to play football, right? These guys called me to win the Super Bowl, not for the toilet bowl. They didn't say, A.B., we having problems with the toilet over here in Tampa. You think you could flush the shit down and help us out? No, they called me and said, hey, A.B., we need you to win the Super Bowl because Tom Brady saw me come to uh, the Pats and run through those guys. The Patriots run a good system with practice and details, and he learned that A.B.'s a professional. No matter what you say about A.B., A.B. put his heart on the line. A.B. know to play when it's fourth down because he, he was studying up all night. He know the two huddle. I can account on him. But that's on the football field. So as a person with you and Tom, you wouldn't consider him your friend or would you nah, consider see, now him? you're taking it too far. I just said people got different meanings of friendship. He, like he, when I used the example and said Bob was on the fries, he thought I was disowning him yeah. saying he worked for McDonald's. Was, well, I was talking about mainly when you took off the shirt, took off your jersey. Are you still on that time? We'll move on. Well, yeah, no, I, I really want to know. Cause, Tell me what you asked. Like, do you feel like you could have handled the situation better by just, Bro, like, listen, I'm Antonio Brown, man. No one, bro, you know what it's like to be in the football field? Nah. All right, then. So, like, imagine you playing a game, football game. Imagine the guys you came to battle with while you know your freaking ankles fucked. You barely could run. And the guy that you think got your back, this your team. These the guys that you flew here with to do a mission. They knew about my situation before we even came. I communicated with the coach, the trainers, everyone know. But is that, and is they that, get there and be battling them, and the guy tell you because you can't go to war with them, get the fuck out of here? What do you want me to do? Sit there like, bro, I'm an alpha male. You say fuck me, yeah. I'm not going to react, bro, because it don't really matter what you say. Like You can't affect me. But, like, if you, like, discriminate on my public image and my name, and, like, bro, at that point, it's fuck you too, bro, professionally. Sounds like they had an ulterior motive or something. Of course, yeah. bro. They targeted targeted hate on me, bro. Like, why would you do a guy like that? Then, hold on. You cut me in the press conference after the game. These guys know my injuries. These guys, in my rise, they know what I got going on. But, you know, maybe I make everything look too good. Like you guys say, you guys worried about my shirt. <laughs> You know, everyone see what I does. They don't understand what the other side does. Exactly. It made me get to that point. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I'd, I mean, I definitely would. Feel so, G, he lost me after that. I can't I can't go to battle for AB after that, man.
Like, dude is insane. And again, I know we, you know, we were talking about mental health and stuff like that. So I don't mean it in a literal sense per se, but Mm -hmm. it's been a while since I've been in, uh, Mr. Arm Bruce's English class, but I'm like, he's, he's talking about himself in third person and like, yep. (laughs) Yeah. AB, AB's got a lot of opinions about AB right now. And I think that's what makes it harder to support it because it's like you just listed his track record. You can't ignore that. It's hard to ignore. And what's going to stand out the most is he was having a great career in Pittsburgh Mm -hmm. and they bring in a young receiver in Juju And quite frankly, yes, Juju did get a lot of catches because of the attention that A.B. brought. But if you're a great teammate, then those are the sacrifices that you're willing to make in order for the team to succeed. So for him to get upset because Juju's putting up productive numbers and he was listed, quote unquote, the MVP of the locker room or whatever. Now you're talking about jealousy, animosity, like. You're not here for well, the team. And it, it's not like Bryant was putting up bad numbers in Pittsburgh. He was still putting up best receiver in the league numbers with Juju. Right, right. You know, it, it, it wasn't the league MVP. It was the internal team MVP. <laughs> right. So he just alluded to in that clip, he was like, now you're damaging my, my personal brand, my this and that, so now it's F you, and it's like, this is what you focus on right now. A week before the playoffs mm-hmm. start, Tampa's getting then got hit with the injury bug like drastically. This has got to be the worst timing, and every game matters. So that's what you're worried about. So now it's like, dude, like my whole stance in the beginning was, you can't tell someone else what their pain tolerance should be. And I kept hearing Shannon Sharp say that, like, man, I had the same injury. I would get a shot every week and go out there and play. But it's like, you're also, you weigh more than him. Different times, different positions, different skill sets. It's like, Shannon Sharp, I'm going to say, is probably 40 or 50 pounds heavier. You know what I'm saying? That that makes a difference, in my opinion. And given the fact that uh, Godwin is out, Mike Evans is kind of banged up, but really I feel like Tom Brady doesn't even target Evans as much as he should. You know what I'm saying? I'm not here to get into the schemes and how they do all of that or whatever, but I'm just saying like now it's like Mike Evans, A.B., Gronk, and then whoever is going to be able to catch the ball that day. So we're running out of options. So I, that's why I was like, you know, I felt like Bruce was like panicking. He was in panic mode. So get your ass out there. And that's where I was like, nah, it shouldn't be that way. Whether it's football, any place of employment, it's like, if I tell you I'm sick and I can't make it today as my supervisor or my manager or whatever, I need you to trust me when I say that, unless I'm a person that abuses the system. If I'm constantly calling mm-hmm. in and 
coming up with BS. I fell off the roof putting up Christmas lights. I can't make it today. Then it's like, all right, nah, man. So, no, nah, I need you here because this is a a, a pattern. So once, right. once I started hearing Shannon Sharp and him talk about that, and that's what you alluded to when you went down your list, and I'm like, you know what? It's, he's, he's making it harder on himself, man. Yeah, and uh, what I thought was kind of interesting is when Antonio Brown came out and said that he didn't want to go in because he hurt his ankle. I had a – well, you know what? Let me start back from the beginning. One. I hope anybody that does not like their job can quit the way Antonio Brown did. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you hate your job, when you go out, go for it, man. He didn't hurt nobody on the way out. Take your shirt off, run, whatever you want to do. <laughs> I, when I quit, I might do it the same way. I don't know. <laughs> no, so no. I, I hope anybody that wants that opportunity can have it. Number two. This is the second time kind of recently that something crazy has happened and I thought, and people kind of reacted one way and I sort of thought, let's see the whole story come out. Mm-hmm. Because the the first time was when LeBron got that pan kicked out in Indiana. You know, okay. everybody jumped all over him at first, but, and I'll be the, I'll be the first to troll you about LeBron, you know that, uh, I've never seen him even get anyone kicked out of a game, you know, the whole time he's been in the league. And I, I'm sure he's got to be one of, if not the most heckled player on the road in the league. Yeah. So I thought, you know, if he, if he's asking for someone to leave, that's, they probably did something pretty damn stupid. And it turned out that the fans crossed way crossed the line. Yeah. So, you know, I definitely, and then I saw this Antonio Brown thing and I thought, that, Arians has always had a reputation as a player's coach. Right. And that you know what? And that's what a lot of other people said, too. So, and the other thing is, if he – this is not 1992 or 1964 or whatever, and this is not, you know, some receiver you've never heard of trying to, trying to make the team, you know, barely hanging on in the league, never made any money in the league or anything, you know – Antonio Brown's made money. Yeah. So, did he – Arians, a player's coach, is he really going to sit there and think he's going to force this dude to play injured and it's not going to come out? Right. Even in the heat of the moment, you know, as old as he is, as long as he's been around, he's not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's why. So, was, and it's not go ahead, like go they're going to miss the playoffs, even if they lost that game to the Jets. Right. So, it helps the seeding, but it's not like they're going to lose or right. not have an opportunity. And that's where I was at because I was like, dude, like if the conversation really was about his ankle, then that's a you know what, sit him down, try to get it as healthy as possible, because technically you don't even need him this week. You need him the following week. So you're mm-hmm. talking about a, a, a possible 10 to 12 day period of just rehabbing, getting yourself together and being ready to go. Actually a full two weeks, hell. And um, that's why I was yeah, like, to say nothing of the fact with all the cameras we've got now, Antonio Brown's too hurt to go back in the game. And we ain't got no footage of him seeing a trainer. 
and see some other people's like, why didn't he go? You know, shout out to my guy, Mario. He said something about it too. He's like, you know, you didn't see him going to the tent, didn't do any of that. So at that point, that's when I'm like, now it, it might be about receptions, targets. But I was like, dude, he's been gone so many games. And then that's when you're like, okay, then it does kind of make sense if we're talking about incentives. If he only needs X amount of catches, he's only got one more game to do it. I can I can see now where it looks bad on him based on his track record. And that's why I was just like, dude, this is just crazy. Now he's going on this whole big whatever, throwing everybody under the bus. The only part that I did not, excuse me, that I did not care for was when the reporters asked Bruce, you know, A.B. saying something about his ankle. He's like, I was unaware. So then the next day, A.B. comes out with the supposedly text messages between him and the coach. And it's like, you can't say that you wasn't aware because he's been out with this injury multiple games. Well, see, I thought that was kind of the way that came off looked out of context. Because the way I read the text messages, I mean, yeah, he knows AB's had an ankle problem. Mm -hmm. But he's also told him, I want you to travel with the team in case you're good to go. He said in that same press conference, he was on a pitch count. Yeah. You know, so he's aware of the ankle. I think what he was saying when he was saying I was unaware was I was unaware it was an issue in that moment. Got you. And it makes sense. That's what I'm saying. It's like now I'm just like, I can't, I can't ride for AB at this point because if if it were me and I know that that's what actually happened, then the rest will take care of itself. I don't need to go out here and throw Tom Brady under the bus and all this and that. And I'm like, now you just look foolish. And to me, again, social media is a drug, man. People are addicted to attention. They're, they're addicted to just... I don't know. Like, it's just a drug. And it's like, we're not going to talk about the female that has now come out in the press saying that she met with AB the night before. And I was like, that. She did Devin Booker too. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's like, now it's like, that's, that's the drug that I'm talking about. She saw him on TV. So now this is her chance to capitalize off of it as well. She just released a statement before I got on the phone with you. She's been doing radio and podcasts. So now she's saying that she has COVID and that she was with him. And now he's, he was with the team that whole afternoon. So it's like, if anybody on that team comes up positive this week, it's like now you, it makes AB look 10 times worse because you, you snuck somebody into the team hotel and this, and that's just like, dude, it's, it's a circus that big of a deal i doubt he was the only player on the team snuck a girl in the hotel no, i definitely don't either that's why i was like <laughs> you know it is what it is but it's just like everybody's looking for that moment of opportunity and sure enough <laughs> here we are but anyways man that's enough about ab um real quick dude let's transition and i honestly feel like both of these things tie in together so we'll we'll kind of combine it the whole scotty pippen book and then the conversation on the herd regarding Michael Jordan playing against another dynasty, quote unquote. And we'll go from there, man. Like I said, it's a Friday evening. I ain't gonna hold you up, man. Um, 
I'm going to give my angle on it first, because like I said, I do post a lot of controversial status online just to get things started. Like I said, for me, most of the time it's, it's to kill time, but I also enjoy doing it. Man, me and you've been doing this since we were mm-hmm. kids, dude. Yep. So you, you know me, it's like, I don't have any <laughs> ill intentions behind it. It's just conversation. And I'll sit down and debate with anyone about anything as long as I have a little bit of knowledge about it. So when I heard him say, Jordan is fortunate to go 6-0 because he never really faced a true dynasty in their in their peak, in their run, during their run. So when I sat down and thought about it, prior to me even making the post, I was like, dude, the 80s was legit the Lakers and the Celtics back and forth. Philadelphia snuck one in there, I believe. And then what the late eighties, early nineties is when the Pistons kind of had that little brief spurt in there. And then it transitioned into the bulls run. There was not another dominant team that it was like, they're going to give the Bulls a run for their money. They're going to challenge Michael Jordan, and it's going to be a competitive series. You can kind of say, quote-unquote, Utah since they went back-to-back, but you don't really look at Utah as a dynasty. At least I don't. So then Jordan leaves, and then you transition into the Spurs won their first championship in, what, 99? That 99 yeah. season, was it um, lockout year or whatever? whatever it was a had. lockout year. Yeah. So from 99, hell, clear up through LeBron. The Spurs was in that picture. Spurs, Lakers, you know what I'm saying? Going back and forth. Sacramento had their little well, run for entertainment, but it was always the Spurs and the Lakers. We, we can kind of get into that later. I don't really – I one – well, you know what? You keep going with your angle. We'll get back into that. Okay. So, I'm saying that it wasn't just a clear cut. We know who's going to be here. So, then that's why I told you on the post. I was like, I don't view Miami as a dynasty. I don't look at Cleveland as a dynasty. People give LeBron flack already because they say the East was terrible – That's why he kept making all those finals appearances. But it's like, okay, boom. Then here comes Golden State. I look at Golden State as a true dynasty. So it's like, okay, Toronto snuck one in there. But we can say that's because of injuries or whatever the case may be. But it's like, if you look at the 80s clear up until now, there's like four or five teams that's always been in that picture but if you look at that window of the 90s it was Chicago and then some random opponent it was never a like okay this person is a legit threat to Michael Jordan's legacy if you ask me Steph Curry has been a thorn in LeBron's side and it came out of nowhere it was unexpected I feel like that's the beauty of the Golden State organization They put that together. They put the right pieces around them. They had the great coaching staff, a great system. And that's what you look at as a true team. 
If it wasn't for this Golden State run, LeBron definitely would have it. I'll, I'll say at least six by now, hopefully. Confident. I'm, I'm confident in saying that. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, even the first year of playing Golden State, nobody knew Golden State was going to be Golden State. I feel like if Kyrie and Kevin Love do not go down, you're looking at that Cavaliers team in a whole different light. Okay, you know what? I'm going to jump in here. LeBron never should have left Miami. I agree. So here's been the biggest thing with LeBron's career. And we get into this when we compare LeBron and Jordan. Everybody's all like, Jordan never had to go to another team. You know, you hear people say that. Well, he didn't have to. And we'll get into that later when we talk about Pippen and the six championships. He didn't have to go to another team. I don't blame LeBron. Sorry. I don't blame LeBron for leaving Cleveland the first time because they didn't have a good organization to, you know, they weren't putting the right pieces around it. Right. He went to Miami. You know, they they went through the four years. I think if he'd have stayed, Pat Riley has proven he'll put the right pieces around you. Exactly. He knows how to build a team. Exactly, because I you know, love where instead, they're at right now. Go ahead. Yeah, instead he opted to go back to Cleveland because, in my opinion, Pat Riley was one of the few kind of front office coach-type people that could stand up to LeBron and had that. Right. Yeah, well, and had that kind of gravitas, if you will. You know, kind of like Phil Jackson ended up having with Jordan. Yeah. You know, yeah, you might, you might be, you're, you're the man, but I can still stand up to you. Yeah. So I don't think he liked that. And he went back to Cleveland and in Cleveland and Los Angeles now. He's called his shots on his teammates, and sometimes it's worked. It's worked twice. Yeah. I, I definitely agree there. Right. And I tell people you know, all the I time. Go ahead, when go you ahead. Talk about, oh, I'm sorry. No, you're good. Now, I think when you talk about the dynasties, though, one thing you're going to find in common with all these people, LeBron's never stuck with a team long enough to be one. I agree. I so, agree. you know, that that's kind of on him. And I honestly feel like that that Miami team had the potential to three-peat. Really, they could have won all four. LeBron wet the bed the first one. Like, I've, I'm, yeah, I have never seen anything like that. And I'm just like, you know, there's, there's no excuse. You can't come up with it. Anybody that watched the playoffs that year, Miami had all the momentum going into the finals. They were fun to watch, exciting. Like, they were clicking. D Wade was playing phenomenal. And then you get to this matchup, and it's like clearly D Wade and LeBron were the most athletic players on the court. But then LeBron just kind of went and buried himself in the corner, and I couldn't figure it out for the life of me. And you see all the pictures and stuff now, where there were several times where JJ Barea was guarding LeBron deep in the post, and it's like he's looking to kick out, and I'm like. You know, you're dumbfounded by it. So he wet the bed on that one. But then as the years went by, by the time they get into that last run, you saw D-Wade just drastically decline health-wise. Yep. So 
from that perspective, that Miami Heat team could have went down in the in the history books because you got to remember a lot of people tend to forget that they did challenge that uh, Lakers win streak. They almost got yes, it. Yes, they did. They almost got yes, it. Yes, they did. So that's where I'm kind of like where where the angle that you took as well is like I feel like LeBron tries to look so far ahead to where he shoots himself in the foot. You saw a young up-and-coming star in Kyrie, and you're like, well, I'm just going to substitute Kyrie for an old aging D-Wade and try to use this same recipe that we had in Miami to build in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And this plug and play, I don't, I don't like that. I'm, I'm too big of a fan of basketball. And that's where now it's like, if you ask me, and I know we're all the way off topic, this Lakers, <laughs> this Lakers experiment has been a complete failure. This is the fourth season in LA and to me, it doesn't even get any kind of recognition in terms of records, success of the organization. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just been a shit show. Excuse my language. So this is where, I again, I feel like LeBron has shot himself in the foot trying to, quote, unquote, cheat the game. I'm a big, I'm a big LeBron fan. But now I'm to the point to where it's like, dude, I'm I love how Chicago stuck with who they had, their key pieces. They might have plugged the role player here and there or whatever, but overall, that first run, Jordan, Pippen, Paxson, Grant, Cartwright. Cartwright. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's your core. And throughout that three peat, they were there. The next yep. three peat. Jordan, Pippen, Harper, Coach, Longley, um, Kirk, Rodman. Rodman. You know what I'm saying? Like, they stayed intact, and they built that chemistry, similar to Golden State, similar mm-hmm. to the Lakers, Kobe, Shaq, Fox. You know what I'm saying? Like, you never get that with LeBron. It's what player can I try to steal from somebody now? And that's the issue with this Lakers team. They have zero chemistry. They play zero defense. It's hard to watch. They're getting ready to come on here tonight, and it's like I torture myself every night watching the <laughs> Lakers play because you're just you're telling yourself like, are they are they holding it in the tank till the the later half of the season? Like you don't want to put everything out there considering their age. Hmm. So it's like if we can just coast through, then go hard towards the back end of the season and just try to land in that fourth, fifth spot, then we're good. Well, I mean, the Lakers are going to come down to AD. Oh. But that's all it is. I mean, LeBron's going to be there. Westbrook's going to be Westbrook. <laughs> it's you know, terrible. is what it is. Uh, but you know, is AD going to be healthy and and locked in? Right, right. So again, I apologize for getting off track. Let's let's get back to the to the Jordan thing real quick because you did raise some interesting points when you were talking about 
the Lakers with Magic, their age, and the fact that Magic had to retire from the game because at that point in time, we really didn't understand HIV virus, Mm -hmm. AIDS, and stuff like that. So it wasn't like Magic couldn't play per se. But I'm going to give you the floor. So go ahead. All right. So I think to an extent you're penalizing him for dominance because, all right, five times in the history of the league has a team won at least three in a row. There was like the Minneapolis Lakers when they had George Mikan, mm-hmm. the Celtics in the 60s, and then you had the Bulls twice and the Lakers with yep. Shaq and Kobe. Yep. So, you know, you, you had kind of alluded in your post that the Lakers and the Spurs were trading back and forth. That three-year stretch with Shaq and Kobe, there, there was no trading. It was the Lakers. You know, I, I mean, they dominated the league the year they won the title the first time. Shaq was dominant. The only team that really got close to him was the Blazers in the uh, the conference finals. Mm-hmm. And they had that. I think they were down like 15 in the fourth quarter, and the Lakers came back. That was the uh, Kobe lob to Shaq. Right. right. And then uh, you had uh, – they beat the Pacers in the finals that year – that next year they went 15 and 1 in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, they lost the one game Iverson over Lou. Yeah. That was the only game they even lost. Okay. And then the next year they ran through again and then Shaq kind of checked out. And the Spurs won the following year. The year after that was the uh the they brought in Peyton and Carl Malone and uh mm-hmm. lost to the Pistons in the finals and then Shaq got traded. Right. So, you know, the three-peat is, uh, is pretty impressive. And you saw that with the, the Heat that third year after they had won two in a row. You know, they had the long win streak during the regular season, but they kind of burned out by the finals. I mean, they got there, and it's impressive. But that's where you tip your cap to, to pop because it was like I've never seen a complete team just fold like that. And then that's where, again, sorry to get off track, but it's like, I I think that's where LeBron drastically should have adjusted his style of play because hell that's been 10 years now and he still plays the same way and you still seen the same results. And it's like drive kick. Damn. He missed another shot. Oh, LeBron needs help. He missed another shot. And I'm not going to be that biased when I say that, dude, you have to be in a rhythm. Like, Mm -hmm. you can't go spurts of not touching the ball, and then finally when I do touch it, you expect me to be automatic. Like, basketball just doesn't work that way. Well, that kind of gets back into the dynasty thing, though, because I I also rewatched The Last Dance recently, so all this is kind of fresh on my mind. Okay. Uh, uh, after Jordan's rookie year, the Bulls got sold, and that's when they brought in Jerry Krause. And they basically said, we tooled the team around Jordan. You know, and you look at a lot of the guys Jordan played with, we're like, oh, so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. I mean, you had Pippen, who was there the whole time. 
Rodman was dominant in Detroit. Well, not dominant, but Rodman was Rodman in Detroit. And uh, Horace Grant had a couple good years with the Magic after he left the Bulls. But there's really not a lot of players on those Bulls teams that had illustrious careers elsewhere. Kerr had, you know, Kerr played for the Jailblazers. Uh, <laughs> and then he uh, he had a couple titles with the Spurs. But, uh, you know, outside of that, you know, did Kukoc really do anything after the, the 90s Bulls? No, not really. He had some decent scoring years in Chicago when they were terrible. And then he was like a six-man on Milwaukee when they were okay, right? But, so, like, LeBron's always wanted to kind of play with other stars. But, I mean, even Pippen is a player, and I'm not, like, as great of a player as he was, his skill set complemented Jordan. Yeah. Like, every player on that team was built around what Jordan did well to a certain extent. You know, there's a reason they had spot-up shooters like that. You know, there's a reason they had bigger guys in the paint because that's the way the game was played back then. You had to have someone that could hold these bigger guys off on the block and stuff so you didn't get killed going to the paint. Mm-hmm. Or And, like, Longley and Cartwright, Winnington, all of them could kind of step out and hit, hit a 10-, 12-foot jump shot, too. Mm-hmm. So they could also kind of open it up for him as open as it was back then. And all of so, that is, is fair. I, I think LeBron's always looked to play with stars, and that's kind of prevented him from having the role players around him that might elevate him even more. But you also have to take in consideration that we're talking about a league now that has more stars than it did back then. Like, you can go down every team and highlight a star player. Well, I mean, you look at Milwaukee last year, though. Giannis is your superstar, and they've got Middleton, but Middleton's skill set is exactly what they need. Right. You know, and you saw that down the stretch in a lot of those games where he was making plays and making tough shots. And then they brought in Holiday, who could defend on the perimeter quite a bit better. I mean, they built – it's not necessarily like a big three – they built the team around what the best player did well because he's so damn good. Right. And that's where, I, you know, I, I can't remember if it was on social media or on one of these episodes on the podcast where we started talking about what exactly is a super team. And that's why I was like, you know, on paper, nobody's going to view that Milwaukee Bucks team as a quote unquote super team. But when you look at the talent level, and compare that to the rest of the league or the teams that they were playing against, they were far superior than their opponent. And that's why I felt like once that Boston Celtics team was assembled, you had to counter that in some shape, form, or fashion. Otherwise, Boston would just dominate the East. Like, I don't understand how people dismiss that. Now, it turned out to be a curse, because once LeBron done it, now everybody wanted to follow suit. And I feel like now the league is in shambles because I've never seen so many, you know what I'm saying? This person went here, this person went there. Hell, ben Simmons hadn't even played 
And it's like, I, that's the part about the game I don't like now. Like, yeah, just go out. You sign the contract, fulfill your contract, and when it's done, do as you please. And I felt like that was always my argument because I felt like LeBron fulfilled his obligation. But, he did. But now people intertwine him with what James Harden, Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving, now it's like these guys are like, I don't care about the contract. I just won't play. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, LeBron LeBron has always – you got your money's worth. Whatever they've paid LeBron every season, they've gotten more than their return on their investment. Because he's there. He makes you better. And, I mean, yeah, he's not sitting out and forcing a trade. He's playing. Right. May not be there next year, but he's going to play the year he's there. (laughs) That's why I said, but I'm already hearing the rumors of, oh, LeBron might go back to class. I was like, that's like, I was totally against him going to the Lakers. You can go back and find the post and all that. I was like, dude, finish your career out in, in Cleveland. That city bows to your feet. They will roll out the red carpet, just ride into the sunset. I don't, I don't personally, I didn't care if he won another championship because nobody is ever going to view him in the same light as Michael Jordan. Okay, let's well, just I'll get that what, out of the way. I I, uh, I was thinking about that. I'm kind of going to defend LeBron on this real quick. We're going to get into this a little bit later, but uh, about famousness and how famous Jordan was. But uh, LeBron, I don't think he's ever been as famous as Jordan, but he's been famous longer. You know, from an earlier point in his life, yeah. I knew who LeBron was when we were, what, sophomores in high school? Right. Because he graduated the same year we did. More proof. Class of 03, best ever. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I saw you had posted something about LeBron, da-da-da, and something, something to do with comparing LeBron and Durant and how the media covered them. Absolutely. And, and uh I, I wrote this down. LeBron and Jordan are kind of like comparing presidents. You know, it's like Lincoln or Washington or who, whoever. I like that. Durant's like a senator. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely like that. Now we talking. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, so like, uh, you know, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Bill Russell. Th- these are presidents of the game. Whereas you, you look at some other people, Durant, uh, Kevin Garnett, Charles Barkley, these guys are senators of the game. They're, they're still great. They're important. Well, great. Not, we ain't going to get into that. Never mind. <laughs> but no, you know, they're still important. They're still recognizable. And, you know, there's different levels of impactfulness of senators, so to speak. But ain't president you're graded on a different curve when you're the president you know i love that i love that man like i've never even thought about it that way i'm pretty sure when people listen to this they're gonna be like damn like you you got a good point man and the only reason why i highlighted that and this is this is a perfect transition into this book as well and going back to what you were talking about with the bulls i'm sitting here the other day and uh, TV's on ESPN, and I'm getting dressed or whatever, and they had J.J. Reddick on there, and they're breaking down this little 
rough patch that the Nets went through, some of these games that they've been losing to teams that they shouldn't have lost to, and they're like, oh, the Nets are just too small. They need rebounders. They need all these parts. Even though Kyrie's coming back, they were just going down this big list of all the stuff that the Brooklyn Nets needed. And I'm saying to myself, I'm like, dude, literally just a week ago, everybody on social media is talking about, oh, here we go with LeBron and the trade deadline, the GM, he needs more help. He needs more this. He needs more that. He handpicked the team. And I'm like, if you ask me, Durant, Kyrie, and James Harden are younger than a Westbrook, LeBron, and an injured Anthony Davis. It's just Anthony Davis. But it's just like nobody cares about what the other teams in the league does in terms of adding or taking away from their rosters. It's just long as LeBron doesn't do what he needs to do to fix his. I mean, at this point, I, I don't even want to say that it was a failed experiment because they got hit with an injury bug as well as COVID. So they've never really put a full product on the court. I just hate how the effort is not there. Like I've watched too many games where there's no help side defense. They don't rotate like LeBron plays zero defense and it drives me nuts. And it's like, at this point, it's such a a scar on his his resume in terms of just going out there and competing. Like, you're going to sacrifice the defensive end to, quote, unquote, go down here and try to close out, and you're not even doing that well enough. You know what I'm saying? You know? Yeah. So it's like, dude, like, bring in younger pieces, well, and you won't have to do as much. Yeah, and I mean, I kind of get that. Uh, you know, you get to a point where LeBron's at now, particularly as he's getting older. I mean, he's he's kind of putting the finishing touches on his legacy here. And in his mind, he needs star players to compete. Uh, I was watching a Kwame Brown interview, and he was talking about how the Bulls were supposed to have traded him for Elton Brand. Mm-hmm. You know, and that Jordan and Oakley used to really pick on him, and they were pissed he was there because he was supposed to be Elton Brand. Yeah. And that kind of gives you know, that kind of gives you the mentality of like Jordan in the later years. I'm not trying to be here and develop this rookie. I, I need right. someone that can go now. Right. And you know, maybe maybe this younger legs is going to help me out during the regular season, closing out on defense, more help side this, that, or the other. When we get to the playoffs, I want people I know that have been there. Exactly. And that's why I'm not I'm not ready to write them off yet because the last few games I've I'm seeing chemistry developing. As long as they allow Malik Monk to stay on that court, the Lakers are fine with me. Cause even that game where they lost down there in Memphis the other week, it was like they were destroying Memphis the entire game and then mm-hmm. their eight showed up. You bring in a fresh John Moran off the bench, and he just ran circles around them. But like I said, the the conversation is not about the Lakers. I want to go back to some of the things that you touched on. And like I said, this is the perfect transition because we were talking about 
the the media coverage of Kevin Durant and LeBron and vice versa, whatever. But I'm saying to you that my biggest gripe has always been the argument that people are like, it's not that we don't like LeBron. We don't like LeBron fans because they always come up with an excuse to justify what he does and this and that. And I'm like, if you post anything about Michael Jordan, his fan base does the same exact thing. How is that any different? So the, the book Scotty Pippen has always been, uh, I don't even know how to word it. He's been a highly celebrated individual when it comes to history. I always felt like Scottie Pippen was a respected individual in terms of everybody knew what he contributed to the Chicago Bulls. But as soon as The Last Dance aired, and you said that you, you've recently watched it, so it's fresh on your yep. mind. When I was looking at it, of course, everybody was excited for it because we're in the heart of COVID. Everybody's at home with nothing to do, no sports at the time. So you were right. you were anxious to watch it. But by the third episode, fourth episode, for me personally, it's like, dude, a lot of this I've already seen. Like, I don't need a refresher on come fly with me. I don't need to know. Jordan didn't make his high school team and he went to Chapel Hill and it's like literally they use footage from documentaries that I've already seen. And I honestly thought the entire thing was going to be about that one season. So then you fast forward to Scottie Pippen's, you know, quote unquote episodes. And I felt like they focused on so many things that had nothing to do with his contribution to the team. And that's okay. why a lot of the people, you know, the people that were on those teams were peed off because they're like, had we known this was what was taking place, then we wouldn't have signed off on it. And then you saw the stories about Jordan possibly saying Horace Grant couldn't eat on the plane because he played terrible and stuff like that. So, now when I'm looking at it, personally, it's like, yeah, I'm watching it for entertainment, something to do. But to me, it's like it was a slap in everybody's face because all you did was elevate Jordan, who, in my opinion, didn't need any more elevation. Like, everybody knows Michael Jordan. Why not take that opportunity to highlight how the entire Bulls organization put this together and this is the historic run of the nineties and the bulls. Right. And then when Pippen is like, here, I'm going to tell my version or my story of it. I heard everyone from Stephen a, you know what I'm saying? Like skip Bayless. Like everybody now is like Scotty Pippen is the enemy. He's jealous. He's trying to sell books. He just wants, and I'm like, is this really he, what we're going to do now? Sell books. I mean, trying to sell bourbon too. <laughs> I'm gonna get me some too. 
<laughs> so so for me it's like that's why i was i was intrigued by the idea of the book i wanted to read it and thus far i'm on i'm on chapter 14 and i'll give you the floor here but it's like throughout this chapter throughout these chapters this book is nowhere near what i thought it was going to be like i thought it was a, a, just a constant bashing of michael jordan and this and that and i feel like he you have the last dance in a book form coming from a different perspective. And I see throughout several chapters, he talks about big games that Horace Grant had or big games that Paxson had. He talks about games where he played terrible. So it's like, it's not just, I did everything. I practiced the hardest. I I won all the lap the races in practice. Nobody practiced harder mm-hmm. than me, and I set the tone. And I like to me, we didn't need a refresher on how great Michael Jordan was. Well, I mean, the thing about the last dance, which I mean, I'm a, I'm a bigger Jordan fan than you. I'm a big Jordan guy. Uh, when I originally heard that they were making a documentary. I'd heard it was going to be a Michael Jordan documentary and that they had a bunch of footage from the last season that no one had ever seen showing Jordan being a real asshole. Mm -hmm. That's what I initially heard about it when I first heard about the project. I heard it was going to be a Michael Jordan documentary. Gotcha. Okay. So when I saw the commercial that it was the last dance, the commercial did kind of make it seem like it was about the last season. Mm Mm-hmm. So I was more surprised when I saw the commercial than after I watched the documentary. Okay, that makes sense. So, you know, I I understood the way they told it because they were they kind of did the documentary where they they showed some of the ninety seven ninety eight season, then we flashed back to how we got mm-hmm. here, and then it all kind of meets in the middle. Mm-hmm. Well. The the unseen footage was the stuff from the final season. Gotcha. That's why when you get all the flashbacks, it's like, oh, I saw this in every documentary about Jordan I've ever seen. Well, you know, yeah, because that's the footage they had. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we did see some cool shit from the Dream Team that I hadn't really seen before. Yeah. Yeah, I did. You like know. That. Uh, but... As I rewatched the documentary, and I kind of did it through the lens of trying to look at it more critically uh, in terms of how it made other people look, because I I enjoyed it the first time through. But, you know, there's a lot of shine on Scotty Pippen in there. You know, that they had Bill Clinton in the documentary just to talk about going to see Scotty Pippen play. They had a whole thing about how he was underpaid. You know, his humble beginning. That they had all kinds of stuff about him in there. I did enjoy the part so, about his. You know, his and Jordan beginnings. even says in the back, he couldn't win without Scottie Pippen. That's in like the second episode. He said something like, "Pippen even mentioned it in the book. When they speak my name, they should say Scottie Pippen." Like, what? Jesus Christ! What do you want to say? <laughs> That's why Jordan fans, I think, get so defensive. Like, you can't say Michael Jordan without Scottie Pippen. 
man, Jordan's really shitting all over Scottie Pippen. Like, you know, if they're telling the story, number one, it's kind of hard to call it a Jordan puff piece. Well, it's not a puff piece, but all about Jordan, if you will. If you're saying it's all about Jordan, they had a whole section on the 94-95 team, or 93-94 team, about how they were good without Jordan. But in the in the documentary meant to make Jordan seem like the greatest ever, there's a whole big section. They got him interviewing Phil Jackson saying like, oh, they said the triangle wouldn't work without Michael Jordan. What do you think, Phil? And it, there's a whole section on that. So wouldn't it look more disingenuous if you acted like the wouldn't wouldn't the viewer go, Well gee, I wonder what happened in the playoffs and they just skipped over the Scotty Pippen sitting out thing? So so here's the thing, and I'm gonna go ahead and push the button now. I disagree. <laughs> From my perspective, and don't get me wrong, I did enjoy the last dance, so I don't wanna paint the picture like I didn't. When they highlighted that uh, 93, 94 season, in my opinion, it came off as, yeah, the Bulls had a solid season, but you could tell Michael Jordan was not there. And then for them to include that, uh, Scottie Pippen not going into the game, I felt like that was not needed. In my opinion, like, why was that necessary? You felt like it was what? I didn't feel like it was needed. Why was that clip or that scenario, that big soap opera necessary? What impact did that have on Michael Jordan coming back from retirement or what happened to the Bulls? Like, what was the significance of that? So... What were they supposed to do then? Like, show only good stuff about Scottie Pippen? I'm saying that... Like, you, he didn't go in the game. That that was his decision. But that was... And Phil Jackson even says in the documentary, Jordan called him the next day and says, I'm afraid this is going to stick with Scottie. He, Scottie put it in the book. So even... I don't know if you've gotten to that Scottie, point. There's even... Like and this kind of goes into some stuff with Pippen. You know, you watch all the guys in the documentary, and they tell the story about Bill Cartwright crying in the locker room after the game, and uh, telling Pip, you know, you quit on us, you quit on us, and they said Pippen was crying and he apologized, said he was sorry. But then in the documentary and in his book, Pippen's like, "Yeah, I'd do the same thing again." Exactly. So, I mean, which is it? So, but that's what I'm saying. It's like you use that opportunity to paint Scottie Pippen as this big a hole. Yeah, it was a stupid decision. We've all been there. But it's like, again, my perspective of the documentary was you were highlighting the success of the Chicago Bulls. So, if that was a point in time where that particular moment elevated them to the next run or the next whatever then i would understand the significance or the importance of that event that was just a random event that took place and you've put the lens on scotty pippen in a negative light is how i looked at it so i'm saying well, i that mean but 
why should he not have the lens put on him in a negative light? It was a negative moment for him. You know, there's a whole section in the documentary where all of Jordan's teammates basically say he's an asshole. That was the end of episode seven. Jordan damn near cried. But here's the thing, though. Jordan was not a part of the team. Do what? Jordan was not a part of the team. So why why is he narrating what happened in that moment? He wasn't, though. That, that was my thing about it. When I watched it back, it was, you know, they, they were basically kind of going back between 98 and when they got there. And that included when Jordan was gone playing baseball. So you can't tell, you can't include the 93-94 Bulls and not include that moment. That was a pivotal moment in their season. But look at the documentary and understand that Michael Jordan is saying that even though he was not a part of the team, he was still calling and giving influential advice. Like that to me is like, dude, like if you're going to be away from the game, then be away from the game. Like I feel like, again, we can agree to disagree here. I felt like those episodes of the documentary was him showing that they still needed him. Like, that's where his presence was not felt. Well, I mean, they, they did still need him. They were barely over 500 the next year when he came back. So, it, you know, everyone talks about that first year. All they won 55 games. They were winning 55 games the second year. But you also got to look at how many parts left. And let me grab my charger real quick. We can We can agree to disagree. And I feel like as a as a Jordan fan – of course, it's, it's great to watch. Everybody's going to be in love with it. But I'm a big, I have a big soft spot for the underdog or the little guy. So I felt like after the documentary aired and you saw the reaction from the people that were actually a part of those teams, and the frustration, not from just one person, but a collection of former players, it's like you you made them look like peons. And that's where my biggest gripe came from. So as you read the book, Scottie Pippen is saying the same exact things, but he's just including how the other people contributed. It wasn't just mm-hmm. Michael. He highlighted several games where Michael had a terrible shooting night, but because this person had 19 points or this person had 18 points, they were able to still overcome that and win the game. And it's like when people go back in time, it's just Michael Jordan and a bunch of bums. And you you basically kind of said that earlier when you were talking about what did Tony Kukoc go back and do? What did this person, you know, they didn't have a career outside of this and outside of that. And everybody kind of downplays their contribution to those championships. And that's the part that I feel is, is not fair because if you look at those teams during that time period and you look at their contribution, they were very important pieces. 
Yeah, they absolutely were. But they weren't the foundation. So, you know, so, so now we got to define that because I feel like. Well, we, see, here's the thing. Like, you know, we were talking about dynasties and we kind of consider the Bulls this, this six championships in eight years dynasty. But the reality is, is Jordan and Pippen. It's the only link between or among all six. The rest of the team is completely different in the second three versus the first three. There are no other players that were on both sets of teams. But here's the catch, and here's here's where we can agree to disagree, or or you can you can sleep on it. Both teams. I'm talking in terms of the 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 three peats. They were constructed the same exact way. It may not have been necessarily yep, the were. same names, but yeah, granted, no, they were built the exact same. What? Well, not the exact same, but yeah, really similar. So it's like glass half empty, half full. You substitute Paxson for Kerr. You substitute Grant for Rodman. You substitute Cartwright for Luke Longley. Like they were identical, mm-hmm. but at the same time. Paxson had several key moments in those runs. Like there are several games, several. So I'm saying like, I mean, they even highlighted Paxson hitting a game winner in a regular season in like 86. And then he's still getting shit on saying like, you don't focus on your teammate. Like, but 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 then then they show some Scotty Pippen stuff. And it's like, well, why was the 93-94 season even in there? Like, well, we we talk about him, he's wrong. We don't talk about him, he's wrong. Like, but, but here's the it, catch. It's the same way you, you talk about LeBron. No matter what he does, it's wrong. So, and that's, that's what we're, to wear in the crowd. That's what we're getting to because I'm like, dude, you say, <laughs> oh, they showed the one moment Paxson hit the game winner or they showed the one moment where he hit the shot against Phoenix. A lot of one moments. He had bigger games than that. He was still a key component to those championships. And it's like, it was Michael Jordan. We'll give a little notch to Scottie Pippen. And then the rest of them are people that nobody cares about. And that's not true. That's not true at all. And that's, that's where my headache comes in. Another thing I noticed in the documentary was, I actually thought Jordan had a really good handle on what his teammates needed to be successful at their jobs. My second time through, the one thing that really kind of stuck out to me about Jordan, Michael Jordan was a very professional basketball player. Like, and Pippen talks about that too. They didn't really have a relationship off the court. Right. I was actually shocked to see that or read that when he was like, um, when his dad passed, he didn't even have his number. Like, he didn't have Michael Jordan's number. I was like, dude, like, y'all been teammates for how long? And I was actually well, intrigued by that. Well, that was before cell phones, and you would have thought Jordan's not at his house. He's at, in North Carolina. So and that, that's he probably fair. didn't have a number. Yeah, you know, he probably didn't have a number to his mother's house. That's fair. Which would I make sense. I didn't even look at it that way. That's fair. But – you know, at the same time, he could get it if he really wanted to. 
Right. But uh, but, so, I, but I mean, I'm if saying he, like he as, even said the book. I asked the PR. They didn't get back to me, and I just dropped it. I couldn't imagine like someone I worked that closely with having a parent die and not even calling them. Right. So, so that's what I'm saying. It's like you would particularly you would have in thought, the manner that his father died. Right. Right. That's what I'm saying. You would have thought that being the one-two punch, they had some kind of off-the-court chemistry. And that's when it finally dawned on me that it's like a lot of these guys may not like each other for real. Like, this is a job. Like, I have to tolerate you. So I Yeah, get it. well, and I mean, you, you saw that, like, as, you know, the media got more and more on the inside. You saw that with the Shaq and Kobe infighting. They didn't get along. They weren't buddies. Right. You know, and and you kind of saw that when Shaq hit that little retirement tour, uh, and they won the All Star Game MVP. I kind of respected the fact that Kobe didn't just jump on the. Oh yeah, me and Shaq are best pals again. He was like, eh, no, nah, he's kind of a dick to me. <laughs> right, and even you know, now, so- this is off topic, but it's like I was watching. Um, you know, Shaq has a podcast and all that stuff. You know, and I was listening to it. And he was, I forgot who he was talking about, but he was like, I don't like guys who don't give everything they got and they're not committed to the game and I don't respect them. But I was like, you understand that that's the same beef that Kobe Bryant had with you as. Yeah. As I mean, you player. played your way into shape. <laughs> so it's like, and that's why, that's why all of this irks my nerves because now we're in this day and age where everybody has a platform. You know, myself included, sitting here on this podcast, it's like everybody has a platform, and you can be heard loud and clear depending on where you rank at in terms of fame. So anything Shaq or Charles Barkley and them say, it's going to reach the masses in a matter of minutes. And to watch these old guys sit back and, oh, well, this wouldn't have happened back in my day or that wouldn't have happened back in my day. I feel like it's a disservice to these younger up and coming players. And that's why I'm telling you, like going back to the book and the documentary and stuff, I didn't need to know that Michael Jordan may or may not have prevented Horace Grant from eating dinner. I didn't need to know that That, he, that came out after the documentary. I thought, I thought it was in there. It wasn't. I thought there were like, so. I'm going to have to go back and look because they were talking about how, when they got on the plane, because that's why Horace Grant and them did the podcast. He was like, that's not I, true I because like, uh, I thought the dude that wrote the Jordan rules came out and said something about that. And then Horace Grant came back out and was like, no, ain't no fucking way that was going to happen. Regardless. However it happened, that should, that should have yeah. never got out is my point. Like there's no way, that that conversation should have been given to the masses because you're talking about grown men and the fact that it's been 20 plus years later. And it's like these, I'm sorry. I thought some of these people in the documentary though, like Pippen said, he thought it was all about the last season. I mean, did he not wonder why they were asking him all these questions about the whole rest of his career? If it's about the last season, did he not wonder? I wonder why they're interviewing John Paxson and Bill Cartwright, and, you know, 
B.J. Armstrong and every, everybody that wasn't on the last team. You know, so why are they interviewing Horace Grant? Like, Pippen, who's so close to his teammates, he didn't know any of them were getting interviewed? That's what I'm saying. And that's, so, those are all I mean, that questions. didn't make sense to me. Like, the Horace Grant thing, you know, everybody's like, oh, Jordan, Jordan said Horace Grant said it. Yeah, and they asked Horace Grant about it on camera. <laughs> like, he had an opportunity to address it. It's not like, you know, oh, but, where's this come from? But you do Did understand that Michael Jordan was in control of the footage, man. Like, he might have said something. We'll never know. And that's well, just and me playing doctor, devil's advocate. I'm, I'm, I know, because the director come out and said Jordan didn't cut no footage. <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, at the, at the end of the day, it was interesting to watch. It was. But, yeah, my big takeaway was he was a professional through and through, and I thought that bled through to the rest of his team. Because, like, you saw Steve Kerr. There was that little section about his dad getting killed in Baru. Mm-hmm. I think that's where it was. Anyway, getting killed overseas. Um, and then Steve Kerr's like, yeah, we never talked about our father's dying. Like, that, you know, that's kind of interesting. That sort of tells you he he viewed everybody he played with. And this kind of comes back to the professional thing. You know, we played high school basketball. We went to class together. We drank beer together. We talked about girls together, whatever. You know, we we played high school basketball and pickup basketball. And that's stuff you do with your friends. When you get to the NBA, you know, I mean, do you think Kevin Durant's hanging out with Joe Harris? <laughs> no, you know, no. Or, no, no. But even with that, I don't want to hear about Kevin Durant punching Joe Harris in the damn eye because he, he was guarding him too tough. That to me, I don't care what anybody says and we can argue to the cows come home. That doesn't make you a great teammate. I'm sorry. I don't think it does either. So I don't think it does either. Now, Will Purdue, one of the guys he punched says in the documentary, he was a hell of a teammate. But I mean, at the end of the day, is he like, he's supposed to say that. Otherwise he's going to, catch the backlash like Scotty Pippen. That's why I'm saying that's again, that's just my opinion. There's no right or wrong to that. I just feel like Well, I think that comes with the level of fame though. Right. You have because, to be politically correct. Well, it's not even that. You know, we talked about presidents and senators earlier. You know, we're we're especially in today's day and age. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's got to be on one end or the other. There just doesn't seem to be a lot of middle ground like, oh, Trump, I love Trump or I hate Trump. Biden, I love Biden or I hate Biden. You know, Jordan, I love Jordan or I hate Jordan. It can't be. It's like you got to have a strong take one way or the other. Shout out Skip Bayless. (laughs) You know, like it's not important that you have a nuanced opinion. It's important that you have a strong opinion. And I think that's the part that, that drives me crazy because it's like I actually like Michael Jordan now over the years it comes off as if I despise the man but again and like I said we're not gonna keep dancing around circles we'll we'll wrap it up 
it's like going back to our conversation about the herd the other day. Mm-hmm. We didn't really got into that yet. Exactly. So <laughs> I was like, you know, it, it, this conversation just kind of grew legs and, and went its own direction, and that's fine. But it's like you can't deny that Magic Johnson had already gone to eight finals prior to matching up with the Bulls in 91. Showtime Lakers had already peaked. So if somebody says the Lakers were old, to me, in my opinion, that is a fair assessment. Well, let me ask you. LeBron went to the 07 finals, and I've never really held that against him getting sweeped. Should I? Getting sweeped. Swept. (laughs) (laughs) I mean. I always thought he got there early, so to speak. He got there early, and that's fine because, hell, Magic won as a rookie. And that's my point. So, like, when you say Magic went to eight finals, well, he got to the first one his rookie year. But that's that's my like point. Like he started by going to the finals. So, but that's how great that team was. And the conversation is, yeah, Michael Jordan was a great individual, but it was never to the point that where he inserted himself into those conversations of okay, even if the Bulls got to one while the Lakers and the Celtics were at their height. Michael Jordan knocked off Larry Bird to get to Magic uh, Magic Johnson, even if the Lakers would have won. Those conversations never happen. And I feel like that's the lens that I was looking at when I heard his remark in regards to Jordan never beat those guys when it mattered. Well, and I asked you this question. You know, if you consider the Lakers and the Celtics of the 80s a dynasty, Mm -hmm. name another time we've had two dynasties competing at the same time. You can't. So then when you say Jordan never beat a dynasty, well, neither did Kobe. You know, neither did Bill Russell. Neither did, you know, the only people that did would be Magic and Bird because they beat each other. But that's why I mentioned the Spurs earlier, because at the end of the day, they were in the same conference and they had to beat up on each other. What, um... When right. Fisher Which hit the shot, back into, oh, I'm sorry. When Fisher hit the shot on the Spurs, point four, was that mm-hmm. before or after the Lakers run, or was that in the middle of it? I think that was oh four. I think that was the year after the Spurs had won the title. So it's like, and then that was the year the uh, the Lakers had Peyton and Pippen, isn't it? Or Pe- Pippen, Peyton and Malone. Okay. Wasn't that the same year? I'll have to confirm. That's what I'm saying. Like, in my mind, I remember those events, and it's like, and I guess what I'm trying to say is. Even if you look at the the Spurs dynasty, if you will, you know, the the first two titles it was, well, the first title it was Duncan and uh, Robinson in the strike year or the lockout year. And then you kind of had Duncan with old Robinson and Ginobili. And then then it was all Duncan. Then Tony Parker, I think, won the finals MVP against the Cavaliers. And then by the time they won that last one, that, it was Kawhi Leonard. I mean, Duncan was 
Duncan was like eight years older than when everyone Jordan played was washed up. So, uh, you know, that the makeup of that team changed. We think of it as a dynasty because Duncan was on all the teams, but his impact, like his role on the team was different through the entire run. Right. So, but I, honestly, but, but I feel like that's what quote unquote makes them the dynasty. Because if you look and talk about the Lakers, magic came in early as Kareem started getting older, he started taking that back seat and it, it became magic show. So it's like, yeah, but you look at the LeBron heat is losing to the Spurs dynasty. But the reality is you're calling it a dynasty because Duncan and Ginobili were on the team and Parker. But, you know, Duncan was a role player. Ginobili was a role player at that point. That They were what you would like if LeBron had beat them, would we have just said, well, the Spurs were over the hill. That doesn't count as beating the dynasty. I know you wouldn't. But you got to take in consideration they, they played back-to-back years. Yeah, I'm saying if LeBron and them had won the second year, if they had beat them two years in a row, would you have then said, well, the Spurs were old, that doesn't count as LeBron beating the dynasty? I mean, people say that now. Even with Boston, he only beat Boston because they were old. Is that not what they say? Yeah. And do do you agree or disagree with that statement? I mean, it's half in, half out. They were older, but I mean, you don't beat someone until you beat them. So, so if the if the Celtics had won that series, would we be talking about? Oh, the Celtics were so old that year. No, but it's just like your argument when you said to me, um, the Lakers. What'd you say? The year after they beat the Bulls, did you mention how many games they won or something? What'd you say? I don't want to. I don't want to misquote you. No, 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 the year the year before the Bulls beat them in the playoffs, Magic won the MVP award, okay. and then the year the Bulls beat them in the finals, he was second in MVP voting. So it's not like he was washed up. So you know, James Worthy was twenty nine years old. I mean, he was two years older than Jordan. It's not like you know. It's not like they're playing thirty-five-year-old guys and they're all twenty-eight. And I and I think you know what, man, we'll be here all. Bill night. Cartwright ain't ever been young a day in his life. <laughs> He's like Greg Oden. But you gotta think, dog, and we've had this conversation before. It's like during that time, nobody put in the 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 work to maintain their physique, their health. So. I still consider those guys being old for that time period. Like you're talking nine or 10 years into the NBA. That was, that was a big thing in my opinion, but in the same sense, Kareem, Kareem, Kareem played till he was what he played 20 something years and he was a dinosaur and he had one of the most unstoppable moves. It's like throw it to him, sky hook and going down the, the court. So it's like, even over the course yeah, of time. Yeah, but I mean, my thing is, you, you're not going to finish second in MVP voting if you're washed up. But nobody used the word washed up. We just said old. 
Well, if you're too old to compete, you're not going to. Nobody said too old to compete. And and even with the book, and I showed you the other, like even Scottie Pippen said, I know that once I got on to Magic, yes, I, I had an impact on his performance. But at the end of the day, he was not the Magic of old. He was not Showtime Magic. Everybody knows that. Well, you know what though? That goes what that goes back into like part of cementing Jordan's legacy, you know, and that was, you know, a cooler part of the doc too. You see all the highlights up until he played baseball. And then you see how he played once he came back. He's not the same player. At all, by far. And honestly, I I like and that he, Jordan he better. Wins at, yeah. And he wins in a completely different way. That's why you have to respect it. You have to appreciate it. And I'm so, telling you, I have no knock on you know, Jordan. We, we didn't get a chance to see that with Magic. Magic was a 6'9 point guard. Would he have developed a three-point shot where he could spot up and be more lethal? Like, we were robbed of the opportunity to see how he would have aged. Bird's body gave out, same thing. Right. You know, if Bird's body don't, of course, if Bird doesn't play the way he plays, then he's not Bird. So, you know, it, it, there's all give and take to all of it. Of course. But the at the end of the day. don't win six titles if Jordan goes and play, doesn't go and play baseball. I, I mean, he was burnt out, and his teammates were probably burnt out on him. Oh, no, they were definitely burnt out on him, hell. So, I mean, everything, <laughs> you know, one thing causes something else. It's a big-ass circle. Right. But in that same sense, you mentioned – Magic won MVP, and he was in second in the MVP race and this and that. But it's like people throw out the fact that the Boston Celtics literally were running the East at that time. But because LeBron beat them, it's old. They were old. I think Orlando snuck a final in there. What was that, 2007, I think? It was 08 because that was supposed to be the – the LeBron Kobe Finals. No, okay. not 08. You're right. Orlando beat. It was supposed Cleveland. to be the LeBron Kobe Finals because Gar- Garnett had got hurt that year. Okay. But it's like outside of that, the Lakers and the Celtics, like that, they were trying to push that rivalry again because Boston was there. Boston dominated the East. But as soon as LeBron beat them, it was old it's because right. they're old. Did they dominate the East? In my opinion, Garnett they did. Came, they won the title. Garnett got hurt. They damn near lost to Chicago in the first round with, like, Ben Gordon and Derrick Rose. And, like, rookie Derrick Rose. And then uh, they went back to the finals, like, the next year, right, and lost to the Lakers. They went back. And then they never went back. They got beat by LeBron the following year. But but that's what I'm saying. Like, over that course of time, if LeBron doesn't go to Miami, who was going to beat them? Maybe LeBron in Cleveland if he had stuck it out. With who? Because that because Kyrie doesn't come there because they're no longer a lottery team. That's what I'm saying. We can we can do what ifs all day, but I'm like, well, and that gets back into team building, and that's why I said I don't blame him for going to Miami because they weren't building a team around him in Cleveland, right? But um, Antoine Jameson, Tar Heel, um, <laughs> he was washed by no. in too. 
Well, I've been washed for like six years by your standards. We, we've we all been washed. Hell, I'm Post washed. Post office going to be disappointed when I tell him Adrian Harper said I'm washed. We all are washed. Hell. These little kids in practice, they, here, Coach, let's play one-on-one. I, shh, by the time we get to three points, man, Mistake. I'm ready to go home. Man. But you know what? But no, nah, I mean, go ahead. No, you're good. I was just gonna say all all jokes aside. I mean, at the end of the day, it's 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 great conversation. I love the the back and forth, and again, it's just difference of opinion. My biggest thing, and I'm going to admit it, I enjoy highlighting the double standards. That is my goal. I'm gonna be a a a hole when I make posts, and you mentioned the Kevin Durant and this and that. It's like I love watching people go to bat for Michael Jordan and they come up with all these reasons as to why this didn't, wasn't the way people are saying and that, but then on the same exact scenario with LeBron, it's polar opposite. Well, I can only speak for me. The only person I really argue with about this is you. (laughs) Because, (laughs) Because, In your effort to highlight the double standard, I feel like you created one of your own with LeBron. Okay. That's fair. So so that's really, you know, that's the only time I chime in. Oh, Adrian's talking about Jordan. Let me me click on this. You know, when you were talking about uh, Jay-Z and Lil Wayne, I didn't want no part of that conversation. Oh, man, I've caught so much hell for that. Yeah. You ain't wrong. But, (laughs) um, no. So I, I just like to click on there just to argue just for fun because, like you said, me and you've been doing this for damn near 30 years now. So, right. Right. You know, it, it's just, uh, it's just fun to debate. But, uh, you know, I, I think, I think Jordan, because he's so famous, there's just this effort to, you know, you have to be on one end of the spectrum. You got to be Bruce Willis or, or Mr. Glass. You can't be in the middle. So, and, you know, no, no, nobody, Jordan was the most famous person in the world. Not the most famous athlete in the world. The most famous person in the world. And, you know, uh, they talk about, well, Babe Ruth and Muhammad Ali, Babe Ruth was a baseball player. He was famous in America. Ali, Ali was probably as famous as Jordan, but he wasn't the most famous person in the world. The Beatles were the most famous people in the world at that time. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just the way it was. Right. right. So, but like Jordan had a stretch there. If you ask someone now who's the most famous person in the world, they're going to think about it for a minute. I kind of feel like in 1998, Everybody would have just said Michael Jordan. Yeah, of course. And that's something like and there's, that, you there's can't a argue level of pressure that, Yeah, there's a level of pressure that comes with that that no one other than LeBron maybe has been able to experience. You know, you look at uh, when he retired in 93, they were talking about cutting in on primetime television. Or not primetime, but like, Network TV, they're cutting in like it's a presidential address. Right. Because Michael Jordan might retire. Pippen even mentioned that in the book, too. Right. Yeah. yeah you know, so. Remember. Yeah, I still got the, the Sports Illustrated. Why? 
I've still got it. It's in a Ziploc bag. Definitely keep up with uh, that. Definitely. But, you know, so it's difficult to separate that. And that's like I said, Colin Cowherd's just looking for clicks. Because you said it all started out of a conversation about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, right. But, you know, you know, Colin Cowherd ain't, ain't famous because he's stupid. <laughs> he knows if he says Michael Jordan, people like me and you are going to be sitting here talking about it. Right. Just like we are. Exactly. And, you know. But I told you, I, I love things that are going to make me ponder. Like, dang. Like, but, you know, that, that's why everyone's in the documentary. That's why Pippen throws his name around in the book to an extent. Because it's going to sell books. Yeah. You know, because they released all some of these segments from the book. You know what they didn't release that was like right in the very, in the prologue. When Jordan found out Pippen was mad about the documentary, Jordan reached out to Pippen. You're right. Nobody mentions that. You didn't see that in any of these stories. So that's. That's right there in the very beginning of the book. And that's perfect. Hey, I heard you were mad at me. Let's talk. And then made time to actually talk to him. Now, Pippen may not like the answer he got, but I also kind of see Jordan's perspective after reading some of Pippen's books. Like, Pippen, if he's pissed, he's just pissed. He, he's saying he don't regret sitting out, you know, a 94 playoff game almost 30 years later. <laughs> like, Jordan ain't going to – there's nothing he's going to be able to do to make Pippen happy, so he might as well just apologize. I understand where you're coming from. Sometimes that's all you can do. That's it. That's it. And that's and, and that's fair. So, but like you just said, it's like m- media manipulation is real. And I say to you that if, and I understand everybody's different, but if I take the time to research, try to get all context of the conversation, and then I put it out there, understand that I thought this out before I posted it. So if anybody jumps in on my, on my post, I want you to challenge me with facts. Don't come at me with, Oh, you're just stupid. That's stupid. You're like, no, you came at me with numbers ages of this player and where he finished that. And it's like, damn, you know what? Now that you say that it's hard to argue it. It's hard. You know what I'm saying? Like you have a point. So it's like, I get caught up so many times in going back and forth with people on social media that just want to be comical. And that's the part Mm -hmm. that pisses me off the most. And after this, we'll get out of here. Scotty Pippen said that Jordan, in a sense, ruined the game of basketball. Now, we've always heard that Michael Jordan made the game popular worldwide. You give him credit for everybody in the entire world wanted to play basketball to be like Michael Jordan. So, of course, when Scottie Pippen said that he's jealous, he's stupid, he's trying to sell books, blah, 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 blah. But when you get the context of what he was saying, he said that before Michael Jordan, everything was team basketball X's and O's Michael Jordan became a one man show and it was all about performance. How many points did you score and this and that? And ever since then 
that's all we've highlighted. And now you get to this point where I, you mentioned Kwame Brown earlier. I literally just watched Kwame Brown yesterday talk about I love how Kwame Brown. And, and I love listening to his takes. To some people, he and sounds Anthony stupid. Edwards. I love Anthony Edwards too. I haven't really listened to him. I've been hearing his name a lot, but I haven't, I haven't you, paid attention. You're missing to him. out. He's fantastic. So it's like Pippen is like no, I was talking about Kwame. I'm sorry. Kwame's like, whatever happened to the team loses? Why are we talking about, well, if I look at the box score, LeBron had 37 and nine rebounds and eight assists. LeBron did his part, so LeBron technically didn't lose. Everybody's focused on the numbers. And I'm like, based on what Pippen is saying, you can literally trace that back to Michael Jordan. And I'm like, he mm-hmm. he has a point. But if you say that, oh, you don't know basketball, you're stupid. I'm like, no, just think about what he's saying. It makes sense. That's a complex question. And in a way, all right, let's just talk about basketball in general. Basketball is the most American sport we have in America. Baseball comes from a game in England. Football comes from a game outside of this country. Basketball was invented in Massachusetts. Okay? You need a lot of equipment to play football. You need equipment to play baseball. Basketball, you need a hole somewhere and a ball. You can play it cheap. It's cheap for uh, municipal governments to make basketball courts as opposed to maintaining a baseball field or maintaining a football field. Basketball is the most naked sport. You're in there with a jersey and shorts. You ain't got no hat. You ain't got no helmet. You know, if you fuck up and you get frustrated at yourself or a teammate, everyone can see that on your face. If you go to a football game or a baseball game, you're away from the action. If you're front line on a basketball game, you're on the court okay you're right there mm-hmm. there is no better game on this earth than basketball i, I know agree. you agree with me i agree 1000%. i know you we respectfully agree <laughs> so you know when you take all that and you get jordan who you cannot deny unbelievably charismatic you know and you also get Magic and Bird. They kind of get left out in this, you know, the evolution of the game. Magic and Bird kind of forced this hand, and Jordan took it to the next level. You know, football and baseball are marketed as team sports. Mm-hmm. You know, you have stars in each, but they're interchangeable. Basketball's built on the stars. Now, yes, you're right. No, even then, even then, if Michael Jordan had left the Chicago Bulls and went to uh, the Miami Heat, everybody would have went to try to see the Heat because that's where Michael Jordan was. But but that's that's my point. Before Michael Jordan, I want to drive down to Memphis and catch a Grizzlies game because John Morant's a beast. I have to watch him some point in time. Like he's he's definitely the most exciting player in the league right now. You know, you went to basketball games. To see a team or to see LeBron? I went to see LeBron. 
That's my okay. point. Back before but Jordan. Is, that didn't start with Jordan. That started with Magic and Bird. People that's went to see the Lakers. And they and went to Dr. see the J. Celtics. Dr. J. Dr. J. Dr. J. Can, you can, you know what, okay. All right. You win. You win. Okay. You know, basketball market itself is start, And that's what they should have done. That was a smart way to do it. You win. Because. Because football and baseball already had the team dynamic, the, the hometown dynamic to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. So basketball built itself around its stars. And it elevated the popularity of the league exponentially while Jordan was there. You know, we talk about Jordan made $30 million his last year. And the year before he made $30 million. Well, the year before that he made like $3.5 million. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, and like we talk about Pippen's contract and him being underpaid and all that. Well, that's because of how quickly the league developed. Not because right. he signed an out of market contract. Right. You know, he just signed a long term contract. Yeah. So, you know, the way players like Bird and Dr. J and Magic and Jordan and then Shaq and Kobe and LeBron have forced the league to market itself, have created an environment where the players have more power in basketball than they do in football. Yeah. You know, I mean, football, your quarterbacks can probably move around, maybe your receivers, but, I mean, is the offensive lineman holding anybody up? (laughs) You know, is Lyle Collins going to go to the Cowboys and be like, hey, I'm going to mess Cowboy's not a good example. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a Cowboys fan. By the way, shout out to your guy earlier in the year who said Trayvon Diggs wasn't an actual cover corner. He gets a lot of interceptions. He ain't no – Cardinals exposed him anyway. Yeah, I'm – that's a whole nother situation. Sorry, I'm getting off topic. No, you're but good. No. You're good because I actually picked y'all to, to represent the NFC at one point. So I'm looking crazy on that too. Well, that was funny. That was another <laughs> cowherd thing. Kirk Cousin, Dak Prescott, same person. Oh. I see the gears turning. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're going to have to have your football people on for that. Yeah. But – uh. You know, the league The league is star-based. And, you know, it used not to be as big of a deal because the stars didn't change teams. But I kind of think that's a league problem. You know, the that's league right. needs to find a way to incentivize these players to stay with their franchises. Yeah, because I feel like and they've now... Tried that with, ahead, they've tried ahead. that with, like, bird rights and being able to get an extra year on the contract. But now they're making so much money per year that that extra year doesn't seem as valuable. Right. I feel like right now so. it, it's it's bad. Something is going to have to give because you have people like myself. We're, we're that generation where it's like we grew up in the height of the Bulls, and that's still during that time where the, the whole loyalty to the organization – is is there? You fast forward, then you hit the LeBron well, I mean, period. Even, Go ahead. I'm sorry. You, I mean, you had the Cowboys. You know, 
in the NFL and the 49ers. Mm-hmm. Pretty well teams keeping the same star players. You had the Yankees in the late 90s. If people still watch baseball, um, you know, the Yankees, the Braves of the 90s. You know, you, you had several teams that kind of kept these cores together and won. Right. And then you kind of had the Lakers in the early 2000s, and then it's kind of went off the rails from there. It's definitely off the rails. Off the rails ain't the right term. No, it is because I like, in my opinion, I feel like at this point, every season now is so many catastrophic changes to where it's like, I honestly feel like it's not good for the league. And where I was going at was like, okay, you had the LeBron ordeal. Now the, the loyalty is being questioned. Kevin Durant goes to Golden State. Golden State was able to, able to overcome that because even after Durant, they're still able to do what they were doing before, which I think is well, beautiful. That speaks to Curry, I think. It speaks to everybody. I think it like I feel like Draymond doesn't get the credit he deserves. But then you look at Phoenix. I love what Phoenix is doing. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul's ego is not going to allow him to step on those younger guys' toes. And I will admit that now it's like, had LeBron adopted that same mindset with the Kuzma, a Brandon Ingram, who knows where the Lakers would be. I'm willing to admit that now. But that goes back to what I said earlier when it comes to LeBron's style of play. It interferes with what's going on out there. But now I'm where I'm going to is that you look at the whole Zion ordeal. I'm like, dude, you haven't even played enough games to try to force your hand and force mm-hmm. your way out of that scenario. Like, you don't even have enough stature. But yet, because of social media I mean, I kind and of thought TV, it was the way Anthony Davis forced himself out of New Orleans. I didn't really feel like he, had, he should have had the stature. That's fair. That's fair because he had, what, like another year left? I think he had another year left. So it's like now you're getting into the – this is where I said that it's off the rail because we're we're that generation where we're like we still appreciate good team basketball and team building and chemistry. That's what I want to see. That's why I hated James Harden in Houston. Like I didn't want to watch that. And even now in Brooklyn it's like – the star power is there, yes, but they still haven't. I they don't have an identity to me, right? So it's it's hard to watch. I don't like watching Brooklyn. So now it's just like the whole team concept. The only teams, in my opinion, Golden State, Phoenix. I'll put Utah in that conversation. Chicago. I love what they're doing. I love it. I, I kind of shit on the DeRozan sign of it. I was wrong. We, we <laughs> I was all were. way wrong. We all were. No, like, I don't know if it's a good contract long term, but he is killing it this year. And all of them look comfortable out there. I feel like it takes a lot they're of pressure good off team of me. Ball too. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, it's like, that's what I enjoy. So... We'll see. We'll see where the league goes from here. But anyways, like I said, I ain't going to hold you up. Great conversation. Um, I still feel like 
at the end of the day, Scottie Pippen just wanted to be heard. He wanted to feel as important. We all know he was not equal to Michael Jordan, but at the same time, I feel like his significance, it, it was important. Like he, he was a contributing factor. Well, I, I kind of had a question about that because I'm not as far in the book as you are, but I've kind of read, I've read up to where he's in the NBA now. Like the front part of Scottie Pippen's life is a damn movie. You know, a late growth spurt going to central Arkansas and getting, becoming the fifth pick in the draft, all the stuff that happened to his family when he was younger. And, you know, he wrote this book to tell his side of the story and he's pissed off at Jordan or whatever. Like, I kind of wondered, and I assume this never happened because surely to God it would have come out by now. If Pippen had went to Jordan and said, hey, can we do a doc on me? Do you think he would have said no? Knowing Michael Jordan, yeah. <laughs> that's just me being that's just me being a jerk. Um, but I mean now seriously, you know, if he had said, Hey, MJ, can we can we throw two million in a documentary on me? He probably would have said, Yeah. He showed up in Luke Longley's documentary, Made in Australia for Australia. <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I'm gonna have to look that up. Yeah, it's on YouTube, but I mean, and it says in there that uh, Luke Longley and Jordan still email each other. As I thought that should. was really interesting. I, think I thought that was interesting watching it the second time through. He knew something about all of his teammates, like personality-wise. Maybe he didn't know nothing about their families or like personal mm -hmm. lives. Right. But, you know, he could be like, well, Scott Burrell needed this. Uh, Bill Cartwright needed this. I felt Will Perdue needed this. See, like, he was able to list all that stuff off, you know, 30 years later. After all the tequila and stuff. That's phenomenal. You're right. So, but anyway, you know, <laughs> I, I often wonder, like, if Pippen had approached it different and said, hey, this doc kind of made me look like shit. What do you think about your production company that you've got? that everyone's like to point out, being involved in The Last Dance. Hey, do you think maybe you guys could do something on me? Right. I mean, hell, that could have been a whole enterprise for Jordan. Documentaries on players from the 90s and 80s. I mean, that, that's I mean, fair. he's a hell of a businessman. I'm surprised he didn't think of it on his own. That's fair. I'm sure LeBron will, though. LeBron will do it. He'll take care of it. He's got his own sports agency, sir. He's thinking big game. That's what I'm saying. LeBron, is. he's... he's... He's doing his own thing. But anyways, um, but like you said, like that could be a movie or a documentary in its own self. And that's why I'm telling you, like, use that opportunity to give the small guy a voice. Well, let me, I got one more question for you on that topic. So, I mean, do you think the old Chicago Bulls are all pissed off at Michael Jordan about their 2K ratings too? <laughs> I mean, he's a sponsored athlete. <laughs> you think Bill Winnington's like, man, Michael Jordan really screwed me on this 2K rating. But honestly, that all goes back to <laughs> our perception of those pieces. I know, I'm just messing. But I'm, but I'm just saying it's like, dude, like, there's a clip. 
circulating. I have it saved. Like I, I just have it sitting there waiting. There's a clip of Phil Jackson saying that Scottie Pippen was the most valuable part to that team. Scottie Pippen was the best mm-hmm. overall player. He scored, he rebounded, he defended, he assist the ball. And it's like, you can't argue that those are facts at the end of the day, when the game is on the line, you knew the ball was going to Michael Jordan, but the other players did their part to get them to that moment. Well, another thing, you know, we all remember Jordan's Hall of Fame speech for him calling out everybody that ever slighted him in history up to that point. But before he got into that, I'm pretty sure he said, and I ain't watched it in a while, but I'm pretty sure he said at the Hall of Fame induction, you don't see any images of me up there winning without Scottie Pippen. All right. I mean, saying it and putting so, it in the last dance is two different things. I, but it's I don't right. know. I kind of think it might have just been a like, hey, we're going to make a gritty quote-unquote documentary and we're going to put some unflattering things in there. And Pippen's the most second most recognizable player on the team. Right. You know, I, I mean, yeah, we're going to we're going to highlight him and we're going to show some of his faults. And... Like I said, I'm I'm I don't know. Good filmmaking know. to me. Way to go, Jason Eric. <laughs> I'm going to have to sit down and watch it again, definitely. But like I said, man, I definitely appreciate you tuning in, dude. Um, real quick before we get off here, um, I'm, I'm going to make it a habit of trying to shout out different things that, you know, some of my peers have going on. I'm always on here talking about my guy, um, Eric, and his wife's, you know, cooking, you know, different things like that. My friend Mario's podcast. Um, shout out to my good friend and cousin, Charles. Charles has started a Facebook group. It's called Sir Crumble's Healthy Living. He just started it, like, I want to say maybe a day or two ago. So um, y'all go follow that that Facebook group or page. Help support him. Get that going. And uh, peace and blessings your way for 2022, Gobby, man. Definitely thank you, man. All right. Appreciate you. Love you. All right, man. Toasted, no competition. I'm Nisha Coasting. I feel so high. I feel so live. My body's in the twine. I'm Nisha Coasting. I feel so live. And I know why that I can't deny. I'm Nisha Coasting. Goody, fine wine. Fools, mock liquor. Wish me I'm high class.